Welcome back to our studies in the epistles of John. We arrive this time in 2 John. Let me ask you a question. Suppose you receive a letter from someone who cares for you deeply, and you understand their great interest in your welfare. And you read that letter, appreciate it, and then a second letter comes, and then a third. Now, the first letter is longer than the second and the third. Would that matter to you? Would you discount or dismiss the briefer letter? I don't think we would. And I don't think the recipients of John's three letters were bothered by the size of the letters. They were hearing from God through the apostle John. There would be no reason to compare the size of the three letters. So for us, when we come to 2 John and 3 John, we ought to give the same careful attention to all three. Brevity is no reason to discount any correspondence. So here we are in this class, beginning our study in 2 John, and there's just one chapter. We finished 1 John in the previous video class, so we arrive in 2 John. I want to read the entire epistle, the second letter of John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win the full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children 
of your elect sister greet you. Much of what I said in introducing 1 John applies as we continue now in 2 John. Of course, the writer is the Apostle John. He wrote what we call the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of course, he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. Here, he styles himself the elder in 2 John and 3 John. In Revelation, he simply calls himself John, or in Revelation 1 verse 9, John, your brother and companion in tribulation. He is, of course, writing to Christians. We have no specific reference to location or their names. We have this description that is about the people and John's affection for them to the elect lady and her children. That they were Christians is apparent in what he says about them, their belief in Christ, their obedience, their walking in the truth. Also, some of the topics developed in the first epistle are discovered again in the second epistle. Three quick examples, loving one another in verse 5, walking according to God's commandments in verse 6, how to deal with deceivers in verses 7 through 11. In view of this obvious connection between the first and second epistles, it will not be necessary for me to go through lengthy introductory material. So let's just begin by looking at verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who know the truth. It is not common in the New Testament, but John begins this epistle by calling himself the elder. <clears throat> now, Peter, in 1 Peter 5, called himself a fellow elder, and that is in the context of Peter's instructions to elders in 1 Peter 5. This seems to me to be different. John calls himself the elder, which leads me to believe he's referring to his age. Also, not a common feature in New Testament literature, John addresses the Christians he was writing to as the elect lady and her children. What is clear from the internal references, John is writing to Christians. The curious part of this is the expression, the elect lady and her children. The most common conjecture is John is identifying a local church by this terminology, or perhaps a Christian lady whose home was the meeting place for Christians. This is a phrase showing John's deep affection, and he is clearly writing to Christians. To them, he said, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who know the truth. In the fellowship, Christians enjoy with each other what's basic is truth. Our love for one another is not just the emotion of a shared heritage or affiliation. In our relationship with each other, in our affection for each other, truth is basic. Would you consider 
that our response to the truth of the gospel brought us together, and our common and continued respect for the truth in the New Testament keeps us together. John identifies himself as the elder. He is addressing Christians, and his love for them is based on their common respect for the truth of God. He says, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. You know, from time to time in sermons and classes, I bring up an objection to human religious creeds. I bring this up all the time. And one problem with human religious creeds is not only their origin in the minds of men, they are subject to revision. Humans change their minds. So when humans change their minds in the setting of religious oversight, they, they change their creeds when they write religious law. They must come back and revise it periodically. Men assume the right to, to legislate religious law. They write it, enforce it, then they change their minds and they have to rewrite it. I tell you the truth of God. Contrary to the nature of flexible human creeds, the truth of God is permanent. If you receive the truth from Scripture with good and honest heart, if the truth revealed in the Bible abides in you, you wait for no revision or update. Because the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. And I believe this implies the necessity of our continued commitment to the truth. So, 2 John verses 1 and 2, the elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. It is not at all unusual in the New Testament to read passages where truth and love are connected. In Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10, people fell away because they did not love the truth. In 1 Peter 1.22, obeying the truth is tied to loving each other. John, again, in 3 John, verse 1, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. All these things connected. They're a composite of our relationship with God. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. You may remember you may remember when we were in 1 John, I said, we must keep things connected. I just made an allusion to that earlier. In 1 John, we were looking at passages where John connects faith to obedience and love to its activity. When Bible writers show how things are connected, that's vital information. We must remember and respect and reflect in the way we conduct our lives from the inside out. So here in 2 John 3, 
observe five things connected, grace, mercy, peace, truth, and love. We have all these blessings from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you cannot just have one of these and leave another out. These things represent what God provides for us. And these things also represent our participation. That's necessary. I participate in grace as I receive and use what God gives by the activity of my faith. I participate in mercy as I humble myself to be both a recipient of mercy and a dispenser of mercy. I participate in peace when I'm reconciled to God in Christ and I keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I participate in love as I both receive and imitate God's love. What about truth? My participation in truth is at the core of my relationship with God. Hearing the truth, believing the truth, obeying the truth, defending the truth, supporting the preaching of the truth. I almost made a song there, didn't I? John's wish that his readers might have all these good things from God implies reception, participation, application. In the New King James, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. It's a composite. Keep all those things together in your relationship with God here and out here in life. Verse 4. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Uh, for the sake of impact, I want you to think about something, please. Think about what your reaction is. When you hear of Christians you know, people who've been baptized, who are now not living as they should, not walking in the truth. They've been deceived by a false teacher. They just quit serving the Lord. They're part of a congregation where biblical truth is ignored, or they've just fallen into some specific personal transgression. Well, our reaction is great sadness. We hate to hear about people who are no longer practicing the truth. Well, <clears throat> if that is our reaction, when we hear about Christians who have fallen, there is the opposite reaction of joy and pleasure when we hear of Christians who are faithful, who are walking in the truth. John greatly rejoiced. He knew of some who were walking in the truth, people who had received the commandments of God, and they were living on obedience to those commandments through Jesus Christ, anticipating heaven. This caused great joy in the heart of the apostle John. It is significant what John did not say. He didn't say, well, I'm happy if you're happy. He didn't say, well, I'm happy if your financial life is going all right. He didn't say, well, I'm happy if there's a whole big bunch of you. Numerical strength does not necessarily mean spiritual strength. John rejoiced greatly based on one thing. They were walking in the truth. Now let's turn that into practice. 
If I'm walking in the truth as defined in the New Testament, that's reason for joy. If we, as God's local collectivity at Laurel Heights, are endeavoring to walk in the truth, however many or few we may be, that's reason for joy. God's children are manifest by their behavior in response to Christ, and that behavior is often described and is walking in the truth. Listen now, 2 John verses 1 through 4. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. So my takeaway time, let me show you a little exercise that pretty well tells the story of 2 John. Notice the repetition of key words. Truth five times, walk three times, love five times, command or commandments four times. Now, it does not require much of us to see how these things are related. God has revealed the truth. We are to walk in the truth. That involves loving one another and respecting every command of God. When John heard that these people were doing this, he was filled with joy. He was pleased. For us today, this little epistle helps us keep basic things connected. And this further describes what it means to walk in the light. I thank you for listening. Next time we will continue at verse 5 down to the end of the second epistle of John.